Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. It's finally game week. We are now a matter of hours, if not days away from the beginning of the Kansas City Chiefs' first regular season game of the NFL season. And boy, it feels good to finally be here and to be talking about it on this edition of Times Ours here on The Athletic. I'm Joshua Briscoe with Nate Taylor alongside. No Seth Kaiser today. Hope to have him back to recap this game early next week. And I need to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Nate, we really are just on the cusp right now. We've got some news to sift through, some sort of strange injury question marks. Uh, we've got a, a matchup that I'm excited to talk about a few different elements of, and it's all just its all just almost here. It's so close, I can almost taste it. I, I can almost smell it, Josh, right? I mean, on Sunday, I'm going to drive to Arrowhead Stadium and just roll my windows down and just <laughs> take it in. Take in that Kansas City barbecue. We are somewhat back. Oh, <laughs> we're back-ish. Ish, yeah. Great, great, great word. Uh, yeah, I I feel like in some ways, and I know this. I know the game is not as important, ladies and gentlemen. But in some ways, doesn't this feel like the Super Bowl? We've had <laughs> way too much time to think about this uh-huh. game, <laughs> and. By about, I don't know, seven, eight minutes into the game, you're like, wow, I thought about this, this, and this, and it has no impact yep. <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> and so I don't know what that will be, of course, um, but, I mean, we're recording this on Thursday. Look, I watched five hours of Dallas Cowboys content, <laughs> and none of it will matter tonight if they get blown out by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I just, I look at this as like, it's it's a it's a wonderful day. Um, we know the Chiefs are favored. We know the Chiefs are probably the better team, but like that's kind of the beauty of it all. Like we we thought about that at, in the Super Bowl, and it just mm-hmm. it didn't go a certain way. Um, I I just think the Browns are a team. They're like the perfect opponent in a lot of ways. Yes. Uh, this was also going to be my my big over, overall take. You go first. I love go, this. No, 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 no. You go first. No, you go first. They are they are really the perfect opponent. Um, shout out to the NFL and their schedule makers. Um, they have a quarterback who you kind of fear. Not not fully. I'm mm-hmm. not fully feared, but I kind of fear. They have. What we have all discussed, including Seth, like, hey, they got that two. Hey, don't you need two talented running backs to beat the Chiefs to hold them ball? <laughs> <laughs> they, um, one of the one of the first things that came to mind in the opening quarter of the divisional round last year, Josh, was like, oh my god, they got to change everything on their secondary. And guess mm-hmm. what the Browns did? The Browns changed just about everything. In their secondary. So you know the team that you're facing is improved. Uh, they reached the playoffs. They had success. Um, I don't assume we'll see Chad Henney. But <laughs> knowing how both these teams faced in January and knowing how both of their rosters are improved, um, is the gap wider or is the gap getting closer? I, I just – it's 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 a it's a perfect – prime time afternoon game uh, for everybody to get a real sense of where the AFC is. 
A hundred percent. And the the one the couple little elements of that that I would even add to the perfection here is is that they match up in ways that are interesting to me. We've talked a lot about this secondary. Is Mike Hughes CB three? What will he look like? Well, I don't know. Go guard Odell Beckham Jr. for a little bit and see how that works for you. Let's get that test out there. Can this can this pass rush with Chris Jones moving around? Can it disrupt a good quarterback? Uh, not an elite one, but a really good quarterback who can also scramble around a little bit. We'll find out. Baker Mayfield can be that guy. For me, maybe most importantly, we've talked about this offensive line so much. And, you know, during the preseason, we saw three games in a row where that first team offensive line looked really good. But also, it was going up against uh, defensive lines without uh, Nick Bosa or without D Ford or without uh, Chandler Jones. You, you, you saw them going up against kind of these half first team lines. Well, you want to know if Orlando Brown Jr. can fit into this chief scheme in his first day out there? You want to know if Lucas Niang in his first professional snaps can hold the zone? Here's Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. Enjoy, have fun, and we'll know. Like we won't we won't know for, you know, all of time eternal, but for a <laughs> a point of reference Yes. It's kind of perfect because the other element of it for me is that if this was the the Ravens game and like RIP everyone on the Ravens and man, oh. it makes Marcus Peters getting hurt makes me so sad. <sighs> but uh, with that uh, this brief caveat, um, if it was the Ravens, well, who obviously we're going to see here in another week, or if it was the Bills who are a few weeks away, I would have some nerves about this game, I think, because if you drop that first game of the year and it's against one of these teams that you expect to be con- constantly swapping spots with or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, that makes that one seed that is all important a, a little bit. It puts you behind the the the... Uh, the eight ball a little bit, as the kids say. And in this game, I really don't think the Chiefs are going to lose. I, I'm not really saving predictions for the end, I guess. But like, I, I really think the Chiefs are going to win this game. But I also think that they're going to be kind of stress tested at some really important points that a game against, you know, the Raiders or or the Eagles would probably not in a week one matchup. So I'm I'm loving it. I'm I'm feeling very, very good about this as a week one matchup. Yeah. And I mean... You know, what do the Browns do in the first quarter that they feel like they can have success um, on on either side of the ball? I I just I'm fascinated with that just because, you know, you and I, Josh, most of our listeners, we've we've seen this. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to go a little inside sports journalism here. I love it. But every early September until proven otherwise. Yep. The, the the Chiefs and their, you know, lovely PR staff, you know, we get we get Patrick every Wednesday. So every Wednesday, when the regular season starts, you know you're getting the star quarterback. Obviously, you get the head coach. He kicks off the week, what to expect, injuries, things of that nature. What do you think of the Cleveland Browns? He's looking forward to the challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, every year, I basically have to remind people, um, I've seen some things. I haven't seen all things, but I've seen some things. And it's gonna be new. And poor Anthony Lynn, poor Jacksonville Jaguars, poor defensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. I didn't know until kickoff. <laughs> and now I need to remind Browns fans because you know uh, our colleague Zach in Cleveland. You know he he makes a really good point that like, and it was funny. I just got off uh, talking to him for his podcast. So Zach Johnson, you should go check out. Uh, the Cleveland Browns in their perspective on the Athletic Podcast Network. Absolutely. But 
Uh, he said, this is the biggest game in 20 years. And I was like, sir, what? <sighs> what? But, again, a perfect matchup because the yeah. Cleveland Browns fans have built this up as like, we are here. We're going to walk into Arrowhead. They're going to win. We're going to announce ourselves as championship contenders. And, you know, the 2020 season was basically the stepping to, you know, a, a historic, remarkable 2021 season for the Browns. This is how people in Cleveland think. And they have every right to think that way. I, that, sports is irrational. You're supposed to, like, love the chance of your team having its most successful possible season in front of you. I also have to remind folks that, like, Kevin Stefanski has no idea. Like, <laughs> I, I just... Every year I have to write this article where it's like, well, you know, here's where we are, but it will not be the opener that it was last year. It won't even be the opener that it was two or three years ago. Um, They're probably going to score 30 to 35 to maybe even 40 points on the Browns. And that has nothing to do with the Browns. That just has everything to do with the Chiefs and like how Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are a... um, unbeatable combination in September so far through 10 games. Uh, you And you wrote about that. Some people can go read right now up on The Athletic a little bit about the the evolution of, of the offense. Because Mahomes talked about it some and everything. Kind of gave you gave you the permission to, to float out some of that. Is there any, any other little nuggets from that you want to you want to float out there? You, you did just sort of casually drop like high 30s, maybe 40 points in this game. So, I mean, I feel like... I feel like you're you're not you're not showing every card in your hand right now, but it seems like I've I can see a few of them from here. Um, I would just sort of get used to the idea that there's going to be they're just going to go from personnel package to personnel package. That is just going to be a wild contrast. Like it's just mm. I don't know if they're going to. Okay, let me. I know people have talked about T Rex and the four tight end package. I don't know how much they're going to use that, especially mm-hmm. on opening day. Mm-hmm. But there's a chance for them to use a good portion of two tight ends, perhaps even three tight ends in certain situations. Uh, and then they're going to spread five wide receivers out. So, like, you know, there's going to be a lot of rotating for the Browns. Uh, how will their communication hold up in the back end? Um, of course, there's a chance that we could see a repeat of what the Houston Texans saw, which is just like, hey, all right, hand the ball off. Like, mm-hmm. I – so – Clyde Edwards Alaire said something that uh, when I read it back in black and white on my computer screen, I was like, wow, that sounds cocky. But he never said it cocky. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Josh, do, do you want to hear what this man said that I just want to remind people that, like, this is the second year running back? Yeah, I'd love to know. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what it could have been because I don't think it would. I listened to it live, but I don't think I caught. I don't think I caught it whatever you caught in black and white. So, yeah, I'm it, very down. Yeah, it, it's black and white, and it wasn't in my story in The Athletic. But he said, quote, whatever they're trying to stop, we can do the other. Mm. And it's like. Yeah, he's right. You might, you're probably right, dog. He's right, yeah. You're probably like. It's a good point. It's probably, unless Miles Garrett wrecks the game. Yeah. I don't know how that's. I, I can't really refute um, what Clyde Edwards Alaire is saying. So um, that is sort of the thought process that they're willing to share out loud <laughs> before kickoff. And um, 
the matchup on both sides of the ball is just going to be fascinating just because I just think, you know, for the Chiefs defense, a lot of it will come down to situational play. Um, and I can say similar things about the Browns defense, but I mean, hold them to three is what the Browns should be trying. Um, and we know that most teams aren't successful when Patrick Mahomes, A, has time, B, is healthy, C, has a good complimentary uh, players around him. So if the offensive line holds up, um, it will probably have to be played on a shootout. Yeah. Uh, one thing that, that could make the shootout more likely is the sort of a piece of news that um, it has not yet been resolved. I, I kind of thought, I think you may have also th- kind of thought that we would get yeah. a little bit of news today. Tyron Matthew tested positive for COVID uh, back on, I think, I think it was the first, if, if memory serves, of, of September. Um, but it's been a little bit now, uh, multiple reports that he's fully vaccinated, which means that, uh, you just basically got to put out two negative tests, 24 hours apart. Um, I think you have to sit out five days either way. Obviously he's beyond that point at this point. What do you know about, about Tyron Matthew? What, what was kind of the early stuff you heard? Anything changing now as we record this here on, uh, on Thursday afternoon? So kind of you to ask me, Josh. Uh, <laughs> Yes. Uh, when this came out last Wednesday, uh, that afternoon when, uh, it was confirmed that he had tested positive and, and just by the way, when you test positive one time, they, they double check it just to make sure that like, mm. they didn't get a, a, a false positive. So mm-hmm. he, he tested, uh, positive. Yes. He's fully vaccinated. Um, at the time a week ago, I was told by a couple people that, Hey, uh, you know, sucks for Tyron, but you know. I wouldn't have any major concerns about opening day. Uh, and, you know, I try to talk to as many people as I can about this, obviously get a, a good sense. You just explained all the rules uh, pretty well, Josh, in terms of like systematically and, and sort of a procedural standpoint, what needs to happen. Um, Andy Reid, I, I mean, look, he's not a doctor. <laughs> I, would just, uh-huh. I would just cover him. Like Andy Reid is not a doctor, but he said that his, that Tyron's test had gotten better, which would seem to indicate that he had at least tested negative once. That was um, my read, yeah, because that because then at that point, like otherwise, there's not a there's not a there's not a medium test. There's not a partially positive, partially negative test. Like it seems safe to say that he tested would have tested negative once. If that to make sense, I don't know. Yes, and, and that was Wednesday. So if today's Thursday, we would assume the twenty four hour period would occur at some point. Um, on Thursday, the day that we're that we're speaking to you, ladies and gentlemen, and then uh, best case scenario would be Friday or Saturday during the walkthrough. Um, now the NFL has, I think, made it a little bit more clear, but based on their rules versus what we had kind of figured out in the preseason as they were trying to adjust everything as to obviously all the information we have about the Delta variant and how it may complicate things. But uh, you kind of need to know by Saturday afternoon, similar to last year, as to who was coming up from the practice squad, who was being added to the active roster. And obviously, if you knew at the time someone was dealing with COVID, they would be announced roughly 24 hours or a little little bit around 24 hours before kickoff that they were not performing. So the big deadline is around early afternoon on Saturday. So if this draws all the way out, that that's something for fans to sort of think about and, and be aware of. I was told uh, earlier this week by same people that they thought Wednesday was a good possibility and that Thursday would be the day that most likely Tyron would return. 
Um, that has not happened, of course. Tyron did not practice with the team today. Uh, I asked Steve Spagnuolo if he's still involved in the day-to-day operations of the game plan. That is indeed the case. He's, he is a part of the team meeting via Zoom or WebEx, whatever virtual video conference uh, call they want to use. So, so that's good. So he's still getting all the same information. The problem now is, you know, basically Tyron's missed upwards of 10 days of like physical activity or just, you know, practicing with your teammates, trying to like execute the game plan or see what you want to tinker or change to it as you get ready for Sunday. Andy Reid is such an old school coach that he would like for you to practice on Friday if you're going to play on Sunday. Let, Let me repeat that one more time. Whenever Sammy Watkins did not practice on Friday, he was not playing Sunday. So just take that into account. Now, this is COVID related. This is not like soft tissue or, you know, a broken bone or whatever. But I do think if Tyron doesn't practice Friday or by the time you're listening to this and and it's been made clear by now, um, he will have to a not play, which would significantly change the defensive game plan or B he would be put on one of these pitch counts where it's like, let's see if we can get the best 10 to 15 snaps out of Tyron Matthew so that we don't rush him back to where, you know, he's now more susceptible to an injury. But at the same time, how does he look on those first snaps? How does his body feel? Uh, preseason games is not regular season games. And he hadn't played real football up until February or since February, I should say. So these are all the factors. Um, so what the chiefs expected, what Tyron, you know, expected, I think that has at least been delayed a day. And if it gets delayed much further, um, then he's in real jeopardy of playing on Sunday. And it will be the first time that he would have missed a significant game. He did not play in week 17 last year, but every time the chiefs have needed him to be on the field, since he signed that contract in 2019, he's been on the field. I mean, that was exactly the you answered the question that I was going to follow up with there of just like, what what if he's not practicing on Friday? So that answers that question, Um, I I guess. Let's go ahead. Well, so let me let me clarify on this real quick. Do you think if he plays on Friday, do you think he plays the lion's share, the snaps on Sunday if he has practice Friday? Yeah, it'll be a question of how does he physically hold up? Because, again, like he could practice Friday and be limited. Um, And let's. Let's do this now, kids. Limit. I, I love this. I love this definition. Limited participation in practice. That is the equivalent of you driving to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or it's the equivalent of you driving to work and like doing one less thing. Leaving at four fifty-five, <laughs> and then coming home. And yeah, it's the so he could be on the he could be on the practice field, and uh, you know the, the full. You know, some teams let reporters watch practice in their entirety in the regular season. Um, Andy Reid is not that coach. So I I only see a truncated segment of it. I get a general idea of, like, you know, how the team is operating, what day means for that day's practice. They kind of give us some info. But, like, I don't see practice from beginning to end like I would in training camp or the offseason program. So what that means is Tyron can be on the field with his teammates for one rep, one repetition. Or he could be on the field for 99 of 100 repetitions and still be deemed limited. <laughs> so um, he could be limited on Friday, but that would still, I think, be a positive case that, hey, maybe he'll play, you know, 50% of the snaps. If his bo- How does his body feel coming into Saturday's walkthrough? Um, 
you know, Steve Spagnuolo today said that he is he is one of those rare special athletes that, okay, even if he doesn't practice this week, maybe he could still be, you know, really effective in a in a role that's, you know, not what we normally see on, on game day. Mm-hmm. Um, but Reed always cautions the idea of, I need I need to see you practicing with your teammates so that A, you don't make a mistake, B, you don't put your own teammate in jeopardy, and C, if you're if you can't practice here, um, we're we're gonna demand more from you against an opponent on game day. So uh you need to show us, you know, something before we actually want to put you out there because we don't we don't want to damage you, your teammate, or the team's goal of obviously trying to win that game. So um Mahomes is in a weird category when it comes to that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh maybe Tyron Matthews in like a subsection of that exclusive exception. Um, but I think the Chiefs want to see him because it's been uh, about 10 days since he's been in a practice environment just because we were coming through the roster cuts and teams take it pretty easy before, obviously, they gear up for game day. So, I mean, it feels like we are officially then in a category with Tyron Matthew where there are either going to be like severe limitations or at least enormous questions until he is playing or not. Like there is not a clear, yes, he's a hundred percent back. Cause that would have had to have, that would have had to have come today for you to feel that way. Fair. Yes. Yes. Fair. And I think too, um, with, with how the, with how the warmups will go Sunday, you'll get a, I'll get a feel too. Mm. So like, even if like, say he's added back to the active roster on Saturday, um, or even earlier than that, maybe even Friday afternoon. Uh, if that is the case, then that means he doesn't have symptoms anymore. That means he's obviously tested negative. Um, now it's a question of conditioning, timing, and is he able to communicate with the rest of his teammates from what he's seeing on the back end of the defense um, in a manner that is similar to obviously what the Browns saw in January where he was moving all over the field and it was it was a masterful performance to what Tyron Matthew was doing to Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski is like wh- why is this guy lining up differently on every snap it's, it's yeah. annoying you know like can he do that like I I don't <laughs> is that know allowed yeah is it, yeah is that allowed you know so um pregame warm-ups uh will be a fun sort of exercise because it will give you a sense of how does he look um, what is the team asking of him? And then obviously when kickoff goes, if he is in uniform, um, how will they try to use him to, to manage him? Because the worst case scenario is he doesn't practice on Friday, but he's activated on Saturday. He plays Sunday. He gets hurt Sunday. He needs right. out for a, um, for a month. Right. Or longer. Right. So this is a question that is both, I think, easy and difficult to answer in some ways. But what does this defense look like without Tyron Matthew on Sunday? I mean, this is this is a conversation we've we've had a little bit on like a contract discussion level, you know, as we also still are at a point where that contract extension has not landed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm interested to see. I mean, we we might get a little snapshot. Someone mentioned this to me, I, and I can't remember who it was. It may have been our friend Matt Derrick. I cannot remember. And if I, if I falsely credit Matt, I'm probably covering up for many things I've stolen from him and not credited him for in in the past. Uh, but like, there's a little bit of a you know, if he doesn't play. The Chiefs get to see what the defense looks like without Tyron Matthew, which could end up being a really good thing for Tyron Matthew, <laughs> depending on how it all plays out. Uh, so what do you think the defense looks like if he's not out there, or at least for the snaps that he's not out there, presuming that it's either a zero Tyron Matthew game or a partial Tyron Matthew game? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I love this scenario. And um, the ego in all of us. All of mm-hmm. us have some ego. But the mm-hmm. ego, like Tyron clearly wants to be with his teammates. I, I want to make that clear. Clearly wants to play. Clearly wants to show the Chiefs um, how valuable he is. And he's really valuable. You could argue maybe the second, third most important player on the team. Mm-hmm. Just on responsibility, talent level, what he does with the locker room, leadership component, all those things. So, but the ego of like... I mean, I hope I hope my boys win, but they ain't got to win by forty. <laughs> Y'all don't have to do that. Um, Seth, you know. Seth doesn't want this show to get canceled today, but if it's less downloaded than the episodes he's on, he wouldn't be heard about it. I understand that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, we all we all have to manage our egos, you know. Even the most humble of us. I mean, I want you to win, but you ain't got to win like that. I mean, that's. <laughs> That is, you know, and I know I, I started calling fans last year Tuscaloosa fans. Mm-hmm. If they win by 40 without Tyron Matthew, then by all means, be Tuscaloosa fan all season, okay? <laughs> so, all that's to say is it gets really interesting because um, you're going to have to rely a lot on Dan Sorensen doing kind of Tyron Matthew-y things. Mm-hmm. You've, you've mentioned this before. Josh, what do you do with Legeria Sneed? Now that gets... <laughs> and um, if we didn't think you were great at football already, all right, um, on this snap, you take care of that guy. On this snap, you're playing the deep, you know, second, half, third with, with Juan Thornhill. Um, there's a lot of things that they could do. They would have to be one of the best tackling units on opening day in the entire NFL. And that's something that Spagnolo kind of hinted at today, where... He mentioned the statistic. Now, yes, the, the the Chiefs blew the doors off the Texans. But the Chiefs, without preseason games last year, in a mostly continuity-wide roster, they still missed 14 tackles based on his film evaluation mm-hmm. of that opening day game. So they're going to have to have similar or, as one would hope, less missed tackles when it comes to Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Odell Beckham Jr. if he plays. Um which it seems like he's going to play. The Chiefs are obviously preparing as such. But I think I think a lot would be counted on of luxurious need and 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 it would almost be a flip of like, man, the Chiefs corners really need to play well. Um so that the safeties aren't asked to do everything mm. versus the safeties are kinda asked to do everything and the and the corners are like, hey, just kinda stay in front of your man, kinda stay close to him. You know, mm. if you get an opportunity, um, be successful. I I don't know. I mean, does does Spagnolo blitz more, or does he want to play more conservatively and play a bend don't break style? You know, it's yeah. it's it's a fascinating question, and I don't know if there's a right or wrong. Just because, again, you know, you haven't you haven't played anybody this year, um, but if Tyron Matthews not on the field, um, and again, another inside sports writing sort of thought process. Uh, if I write a story on Friday, it's because he's he's not he hasn't practiced. And then secondly, if that story is written, just a projection, all the pressure kind of goes on Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Mm. Not fairly or unfairly, just the facts. Like Tyron Matthews not out there. The only two star players, and I mean star players, are Chris Jones and Frank Clark. They got to make it happen. They got to mm-hmm. they got to wreck the game enough to not give the Browns such an advantage on the back end. Um, 
you know, it's all it's always beautiful when pass rush and, and coverage tie together. Um, but it's not a perfect scenario if Tyron Matthews not out there and um the two players I would put most of the burden on, despite everything I just mentioned on the back end, would be Chris Jones and Frank Clark. How do they how do they perform um when they know their secondary could be in a shaky spot? I think that's a really good call because uh, we've talked about this plenty, but like the Chiefs got pretty good pressure over the course of last year, but it was like almost directly in line with their blitz percentage among the rest of the NFL. Like they were not very successful at getting there with four, and and then moving Chris Jones to the edge and bringing in Jaron Reed in the middle, like having having Reed sort of take Jones's spot, and then essentially Jones takes like Alex Okafor's spot, right, or Tano Passanio's spot. Like that's where you see the upgrades of in that front four. So I do think that it's fair to put some of the pressure there, especially when you consider what. Been invested there, which is again not necessarily a not necessarily the most information rich way to evaluate a position or a player or whatever. Say, well, he's making thirty million dollars this year; he's got to be good because that's not there's no guarantee to that, obviously. Um, but to have Chris Jones and Clark and Reed, and theoretically it's Derek Naughty in running down situations, or maybe it's Jones in there sometimes, and you bring in, you can kick Jones back in for passing downs, and you can bring in Tershawn Wharton and Colin Saunders, guys who have had good camps. Like, I I think it is fair to say, hey, you've got, um, I think Chris Jones's cap hit this year is still relatively low, but like in terms of full life of the contract stuff, there's like $200 million that have been put into that defensive line again over the course of their, their contracts. I think it's totally fair to put some, some pressure there. And in fact, I, I mentioned this uh, when Seth and I talked on Tuesday, I saw Frank Clark was a, a limited participant in practice today. He's been dealing with a hamstring for a long time. He didn't uh, play in the preseason. He was limited throughout training camp. I think it's really interesting, and I, I, I mean genuinely interesting, not just let me kind of Trojan horse my take in here, but like, you know, regular do listeners it. will probably know where I'm, what I'm thinking about. Do I, it! I, I do think it's genuinely interesting that we're at a point here now where there is very, very, very little talk of of Frank Clark being a game wrecker, of having expectations that Frank Clark has a 15 or 20 sack season. All of that has moved to Chris Jones. And right now we're talking about Frank Clark like he's Alex Bleep and Okafor. Like that he, you know, if he can just be a good presence and, and you know, hold the edge on running downs and maybe he, he's able to clean up a couple of messes, you know, that's pretty much what I think most people are expecting. And from his performance last year, I think that's probably about right. But mm-hmm. that, but that's not what the Chiefs brought him in for. And his ceiling certainly is significantly higher than that. But right now... I am I'm actually worried that he'll be on the field for a dozen games this year. Like I just don't I don't know. I, I think it's interesting how much that shifted this offseason as we've all gotten to kind of drool over the idea of Chris Jones from the edge. It, it feels like Frank Clark has gotten discussed I get like like he's a role player when he is supposed to be a game wrecker and on some level in his recent past has shown an ability to do that. What do you think has gone into that sort of shift if if you agree that that's kind of how the narratives have, have changed? No, you're, you're spot on. I mean, I, I'm just over here nodding my head saying, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, it's – look, there are people who <laughs> – look, I love everyone, obviously, who reads The Athletic and, and takes their time um, to obviously listen to us and, and read our articles. Um, by the way, no better time for the cornerbacks to perform well because Seth just posted a story today about like, hey, 
Uh, if there's an issue with the Chiefs defense, it might be the quarterback position, which mm. I know just gaslights you, Josh. But hey, <laughs> go read Seth's new piece in The Athletic about the idea of like, hey, uh, they've invested a lot of places. It hasn't really been quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So um, there's, there's, there's onus on a lot of people. But when it comes to Frank Clark... It's so quiet because obviously he dealt with, um, you know, the arrest in Los Angeles. I didn't even mention the two arrests. <laughs> the Chiefs have not made this man available for comment. Uh, he has not played in the preseason. Uh, he was limited today, Thursday, and Wednesday with a hamstring injury. Um, the season kind of comes down to Frank Clark. Like I just, Whew. in terms, in ter- I mean, I did a story a piece a few weeks ago about hey who could be the x factors and he was the first he was a well he was the second name that came to mind the first is obviously orlando brown because his contract situation i think has a more of a sizable significance towards the future of the chiefs because the chiefs obviously acquired him to give him a long-term deal it's just for the for the purposes of the salary cap this year as this was obviously reduced um can you play your rookie deal and we promise to pay you afterwards so but the second guy that came up was Frank Clark, just because uh, his contract is untentable as we speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know how you can make it more tenable? Like playing better and then having a real heart to heart conversation about stretching that deal out, converting something off of it. Do you want to stay on a championship roster or we could cut you? I mean, like, this is no surprise to anyone. This isn't like, I mean, he made it clear the last time we spoke to him, which was in June, that he had a disappointing season. Yes, he made the Pro Bowl. It's one of those weird deals. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. he was a Pro Bowler last year, but like he didn't play well. Like just mm-hmm. weird, just a weird juxtaposition that we're in. Um, it would it would be it would be impressive if he if he played well on Sunday, um, and it would sort of you know signify that uh, whatever he was dealing with last year. Coming off, you know, probably the most remarkable stretch in his career uh, in the 2019 postseason. That 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 wasn't the last top echelon play that he could reach. Mm. Um, but hey, you know this. The reason I just want I just want people to think about Frank Clark in every game. One, because he's he's just a fascinating character uh, in this little thing we call football. Um, but I don't know, Josh. I we just haven't seen it. You know, it just. Yeah. I know that the defensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns is having a much harder time sleeping than probably Steve Spagnuolo. Steve Spagnuolo's probably secure. He's done a very good job. He's helped Andy Reid win a Super Bowl. No real mistakes on his end. I mean, the only time they've really lost is to Tom Brady, and you know that happens. Everybody loses to Tom Brady. All that to say. It's got to be weird for Spagnolo to be like, well, I'm trusting Chris Jones to be a game wrecker from the edge while also not giving up a ton of production on the interior. And my best edge rusher technically is Frank Clark, who I haven't seen play football since February. Uh, on that note, can you see if Seth is in the Zoom? He's texting us like he wants into the Zoom. Oh, are we going to get oh. Are we gonna get 10 minutes, 15 minutes of Seth at the end of this? Look it's, at that. Look at that. 
I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't even know that a Seth return to the show today was even in the cards. There are very few moments in my life where I wished. Nah, who am I kidding? There are many moments in my life that I wished my entrance into something came with wrestling type intro music. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and you even picked the right one. I mean, to be fair, that's, you know, what most people would pick, let's be honest. It's the only one I had acapella for sure. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I didn't think it was on the table either. However, one of the many, 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 many joys of small town living is you got an earache. You think it's getting a little worse. You go to the walk-in clinic. You see a doctor in about five to ten minutes. They get you in and out of there. They get you a prescription. You go to Walgreens. You get it. You're all done in half an hour. Yeah, the, the issue is, of course, that you, you go into the clinic and they just sort of stick a they, – they poke a stick in there and just sort of wiggle it around a little bit and say, I don't see anything. You're probably good. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, you go back and you feed your cows. Well, you know, that was the concern. And, and to be fair, the receptionist did make fun of me for coming to the walk-in clinic for an earache. So funny. I, I was like, I'm being cautious. And she made fun of me. It, it was in a, she was like in her 60s and it was a very grandmotherly kind of way. But I'm alive. Um, I did, you know, I did want to let you guys know that uh, I was told that with this level of ear infection, it's borderline incredible that I'm even on my feet. And, wow. the, and the doctor told me what the what she said to me was the sheer masculinity of a yeah. man who could be functioning at such an obviously high level. Yeah. Um, and hopefully a single one, which I thought was inappropriate. Of course. Um, but it I is mean, look, she's only me. human. And so yeah. so that's that's what I've been doing for the last 10 minutes of my life. So how are you guys? I'm excited. I'm so excited to talk to you guys about the Chiefs now that I've completely derailed what was undoubtedly a very professional podcast until just now. If oh, and so yes, I, I am recording. Excellent. Thank you. Um <laughs> if I didn't want to if I didn't want to make extra work for Kent, I would have just told it. Very long and very profane joke that would have required just a long bleep out noise. But everyone can just assume what I thought about and you can just fill it in as you wish. It's kind of a choose your own adventure podcast. <laughs> all, of this uh, is this, all of this is to say is that, you know, we, we had a good start, Josh. We, we did. We were we were moving the ball. We were matriculating that thing. Yeah. And then things got a little bit, you know. Little bit and hairy. All that's over now, folks. Third and, quarter. And, and third quarter is getting hairy. Yeah, Seth. Seth came out of the locker room and said, "Sue me up, fellas. <laughs> Take care of this myself." To which we said, "Are you you sure about this?" <laughs> but okay, okay, all right, fine, fine. It, we we just talked about you know like maybe Tyron Matthew ends up on sort of a pitch count. We're just we're just using our Seth pitch count right now. We 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 carried it as far as we could. Mm-hmm. Game got a little tight, and you're right. And Seth said, you know what? I think what, I know what this podcast needs, and it's me. <laughs> that's that. That's an eerily accurate rendition of the things that I say to myself getting ready in the morning. It's like, you know what this world needs? A little more <laughs> Seth. And that's what I tell myself. And, you know, you put on that brave face, and you get out there, and you just do the best you can, you know? And similar to... Uh, Tyron Matthew, I, I I might need a pitch count. Or Frank Clark, I might need a pitch count. Because I unlike them, I'm slowing down. And I'm getting up there. Those guys, they're 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 fine, except like, you know, the whole COVID and you know hamstring thing. Me, I'm just old. And I so- mean you you 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't. I, I'm sorry. I mean, you, I'm just not. You're trailing off here. Did, yeah. did I hear a niner in there somewhere? No, it's, I just was gonna. I mean, you said that unlike both of them, you're you're slowing down. And I mean, like you've you watched Frank Clark last year. I mean, I just don't know that. Ooh, oh, whoa. Oh, oh, oh. We had. Oh. Man, I am a bad influence on you. I derail things. I get you to say things. I'm gonna take the heat for that. Um, I we had such here. a diplomatic conversation about Frank Clark right before you got here. We had just wrapped it up. <laughs> I would and love Nate to join. In. I would love to join in and offer my opinion on Frank Clark. What? Is, no, you missed it. That's uh, fine. That's fine. I bet Nate was no, right I, anyway. We I, what actually we we did just reference I I to be honest I have not read the story that just went up on the athletic because I think it went up right as we were about to hit record on this podcast um, but if you don't mind as we've we've covered we've covered a lot of Tyron Matthew some big picture stuff uh, talked about Frank Clark a little bit but there is a brand spanking new Seth Kaiser piece up on the athletic right now uh, about the uh, the cornerback group and the way they have and haven't uh, invested in it and what we've seen from these guys so far I'm I'm literally scrolling through it right now hoping to find just like a little shred of something but I I mean I have not read it yet and I would love to hear you give us the uh the little sales job so people can go check it out sure i can just say man you know what i'm gonna get myself in trouble here um i'm reading the 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 title of the article uh-huh and i'm gonna i'm gonna pull the curtain back here for people you gonna shoot an email around most of us authors don't pick the title of our articles Mm -hmm. So I wrote an article about how the Chiefs have invested very little into their cornerback group and how that's going to be interesting to watch this year and how the preseason returns on them was actually really solid. Um, but that is just an interesting storyline because they really do invest heavily in stopping the pass, but they have it with their corners, but their corners actually look good in the preseason. And then I did a film review and we'll, we'll talk about this in a minute about their physicality, how well they tackle, um, and how that does really add something to the defense. It's a big deal. And the title is chiefs approach to stopping the pass has one deficiency, their cornerbacks. And I just know if I tweet this, Tyron Matthew is going to tweet something mean at me. (laughs) And I just don't even know another way to say that. Like, he's going to say something mean to me, guys. He has been just firing. Tyrant, please don't say anything mean to me. Please. <laughs> I didn't think I'm going to send it to him. I'm going to tag him and go like, wow, at Matthew underscore era. Can you believe that at Real MN Chiefs fan took a big, fat, steamy dump on these corners? Uh, I, but, that, I, I'm I'm actually feeling a lot more optimistic about the corners than I was a month That's ago. That's not what the headline says. <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> Sounds uh, like you think that they have a deficiency at the cornerback position. I don't. Think- and, uh, if people did think we were ready for the regular season, they were disproven right now. Oh, this is great. We're 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 back. We're back, baby. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't. Oh, okay. What would you What would you title the story, Seth? Um, Dunder Mifflin Paper Company apologizes to valued customer. Some companies still know. <laughs> That's the problem, right? Because titling an article is actually really hard. And my proposed title really was something close to that. Like, despite a lack of investment in the cornerback position, the Chiefs appear to have some promise with a physical group or like something like that. That's not a okay. title. That's an opening sentence or like yeah. a summation. 
And so I don't know what I would have called it. But I okay, let me just clear the air. The Chiefs don't invest in the cornerback position. M dash. I love an M dash. Oh yeah. And that might be okay. Boom. There's you know, headline. I'm not here to tell anyone how to do their job. Um, they, Is that a better sum- summary? I haven't read the story. Yes, yet. <laughs> that would be that would be a better summary. I'm not sure how it'll turn out. It might be okay though, and our returns in the preseason were really positive. I think Legarius Sneed might be a star. Mike Hughes looks pretty good if he stays healthy. Charvarius Ward looks like he's playing well. Rashad Fenton looks like himself. Even Baker flashed, and they all look. Like, they have some similar skill sets in some of the things that Steve Spagnolo really wants. And so that's what I really focused on was the physicality of the group. And I heard my guy Nate there going, yeah, when I mentioned physicality. Every one of these dudes can tackle and hit. And it adds a little something in terms of defending the field horizontally. So that's really what I wanted to focus on there. And then I did. I just we 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 executed that quite well, Josh. Um, with, with, with everything, with everything that 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 Seth has said, yeah, I mean this this sort of proves out just because um, there was really no explosive plays given up by the defense um, that was cornerback issued. Other mm-hmm. than, I mean, we sort of talked about it in the preseason, but like Mike Hughes was like, "Hey, I got covered two over the top. Hey, why why is he why?" Oh, that was that was the Trey Lance pass. Oh. <laughs> Trey area. Anyway, just the idea of all right, man, he's really running far. Okay, I, I got I got I got cover too. Whoa, where is that? Wow, that's what it's like to play quarterback, kids. That's that's how it's like to play quarterback. Why are you running this route so far? Why is the ball in the air? Holy smokes! <laughs> and everybody's cheering at my expense. Um. So, I think the cornerbacks will be fine. If there is a star, it should be Legereus Need, and much of the season will come down to Traverius Ward in a contract year, along with Mike Hughes. Yeah, no, contract years. We've talked about this a million times. They're undefeated, and... Legereus Sneed, it really is tough to, that's one thing they've lacked in previous years, right? Like a star, like they've had guys who play pretty well. Um, Losing Bashad Breeland, and I wrote about that, like that's one thing they've had the last two years under Spagnuolo, is a solid proven vet. They let him walk, and now it's worth asking, like is that, is, is Charverius Ward a solid proven vet? After, you know, two, three years of doing this. Same with Rashad Fenton. Both of those guys have been on deep playoff and Super Bowl runs. I mean, they're they're battle-tested guys. Like, like Rashad Fenton isn't going to, like, shrink away from a big Monday night football matchup, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they've been there. And so, it's just, it's just such an interesting approach with a team that overall has been very forward-thinking in how they approach the game in terms of pass defense being paramount they invest more in that than their run defense but i mean if you compare it to whether it's the defensive line the linebackers or the safeties their investment in cornerback is very low like the the biggest investment they've made was a was sneed a fourth round pick wow yeah you're right that's crazy yeah yeah and 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 their most experienced cornerback by definition is Travis ward entering his fourth year yeah, it's it, it's crazy. I mean, and, and Ward, I mean, they got they traded an offensive lineman who wasn't going to make the team. Mike Hughes, they got by swapping a seventh round with a sixth round. 
Like, mm-hmm. that's like that's barely even a thing, honestly. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, that statistically, that adds almost no value. You, I don't know if you guys are aware of these, but there are these little miniature ice cream cones that some of those, like you know, you, you get the grocery store or whatever, that are just like like an inch or two tall. And that's basically that sixth to seventh round pick swap where <laughs> yeah, like you can eat it and you, it basically doesn't count. You you take a bite and the experience has ended. Yeah, you, but you it's you, you some of them you get two bites out of them. Some of them you might get three or yeah. four, but like calorically, it's like what well, you know, walking to the freezer and back was basically. I think I probably burned about that many calories, so exactly. I, I can eat this guilt free. That's a sixth and seventh round pick swap. Right, and they 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 spent a little more on Rashad Fenton, a sixth round pick. And then Baker, they signed to their practice squad after he was cut. Uh, Lamons, they they signed. He was undrafted in 2018. And so, I mean, you could say, and you and I joked about this, I think, Josh, it sounds like something we'd be obnoxious about, that, well, they finally got some first-round draft picks on the roster. Right. And that's all true. But so it's just an unusual thing. And so that's what I started off writing about. And I would argue that it's a risk. Because there's a reason they've been connected with cornerbacks like every year because people keep just waiting for them to be like, oh, yeah, crap, I knew we forgot something. Um, But really, they've gotten solid cornerback play out of the group last year and the year before. And this is like their chance. Like this is their if this goes well, let's say if, if it flips in their favor, let's say Ward and Fenton play at the same level they played last year. Sneed plays at the level he played last year. Um, which even if he didn't improve that, he still played at like a really high level, not like a high level for a rookie, but like a really high level and either Hughes or Baker works out. I think we've entered the, I guess I'm just not going to question Brett Veach for a year or two phase mm-hmm. of things, at least when it comes to corners. I, the one thing that I would probably tweak there a little bit is, is, it it, it cert- I don't want to like be like Brett Veach deserves no credit for this because that would be ridiculous. But I think for me, it's mostly like I just sort of think that if you can get someone who's fast and six feet tall, that Spags can make them a good like a good boundary corner with the way that his scheme sets up and, and how this coaching staff works with those guys. Like, I think I would yes. probably give, I don't know, 75 percent of the credit to Spags and the staff and 25 percent to Veach. Is that 60, 40? I don't really know. I'm spitballing, but I, I would at least certainly underline spags on that yeah, yeah. i think that makes sense yeah let's not forget think, let, no 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 say so, yeah i i tend to agree let's not forget uh sam madison cornerbacks coach dave merritt uh secondary coach um again how in the world did they how did how did other teams let this how how are they still on the same coaching staff anyway that's a whole different discussion but same coaching staff, knowing exactly what they want from players, having coachable players as well. Um, there are no divas at the cornerback position, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Right? I don't I don't see a single diva. Um, there used to be divas on this team. They are not on this team anymore. So And I'm and I and I miss him. I mean them. I mean I oh, would if I, I knew who it was. So much. <laughs> <laughs> who is he? Well, I just miss him. Uh <laughs> but who is he, Nate? Oh, he's so he was so great. He was such a joy to watch. Entertaining. This fictional player. Indeed. Who is he? Well, I can't I can't disclose that. Let's say nah, if we were going to talk about a corner, I mean, it would, the only thing that would make him even more entertaining is if there was a really great debate associated with him about like how important it is to tackle 
when you're a cornerback or things or like how that. important it is to have socks on when you come back out onto the field <laughs> <laughs> i miss him so um, much I miss him. Oh, it was a lot remember, of fun and that's one, remember that's one remember, thing <laughs> oh, remember the last time remember the last time the chiefs played uh this particular human being and uh you know, it just it's, it's a joy. He's a he is a joy, and I mean this. I, I mean all of this, like very like. There's no joke here. Like I no really, dead serious. Yeah. Like, we really miss him. <laughs> yeah, stone cold dead serious. <laughs> like I'm yeah. dead serious. I love. Yeah. Okay. Any... <laughs> Sorry. I wish. I love his football talent. Look, we need like. I don't need robots. Okay. This this mm-hmm. job is robot but get out of my way just just i love people who are dynamic human beings who are very passionate about their jobs and sometimes you know that comes with whatever it comes with i mean just you know yes i want that to i wish i want to get some final thoughts on the browns game from you guys but i wish the show ended on nate sort of whimpering like a dog a little bit i'm just like Sometimes you gotta race. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, look, look, I understand why he's no longer a part of the team while also missing him. Let's let's wrap. We've talked a lot of defense today, which I think is kind of fun because uh, it's we know that Patrick Mahomes is going to be good. Uh, But let's let's wrap up here with everybody. You provide something you're keeping an eye out for, a matchup you like, a storyline you like going into this game. And I think we should do score predictions because football season's here, and this is when we do we do predictions for things. Oh, so what do you, what do you guys like? Score predictions. I love it. Uh, I'll go first. Great. I mean, no one's. By the way, how did I make it to Thursday at like late afternoon? Nobody asked me what my score prediction is. So thank you, Josh. <laughs> I don't know how I, I made it four and a half days. Wow. I had to make my first one this morning, so I, I also got it to today at least. Yeah, so I'm gonna go with Buccaneer eight, Cowboy seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> um, by the way, I know you weren't here, Josh. I really, I really grind. Look, I understand coaches' lives are difficult sometimes. Man, I grinded through those five hours of hard knocks. They got me again. <laughs> they got me again. Oh. Hard knocks. I think, I, think, I think the Cowboys keep it close. Uh, I think uh, Buccaneers deep went out. Yeah, yeah I think, but honestly, I think I think Buccaneers 24, Cowboys. I don't need a Buccaneers Cowboys. Oh, were you talking about Sunday's game? Just, oh. I just need Chiefs Browns. We don't have to go through the whole schedule. Oh. I don't care about tonight that much. <laughs> no, I want I want to I want a Chiefs Browns score and like one storyline, presumably not Tyron Matthew or Frank Clark related or Chris Jones, okay, even, okay. or maybe cornerback because we've covered those pretty well. So yeah. a, a storyline we haven't talked about. I guess Seth years can be a little broader since you weren't here for the first uh, whatever uh, half three quarters. Okay. I- um, but just, just you can skip straight to the good stuff. Okay, I'm gonna say uh, Chiefs 34, Browns 27. Um, if you're if you're if you're noticing, yes, that that is close to Vegas's line. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, I feel I feel pretty good about the Browns. Um, I know we talked about that to start. Um, it's a really nice matchup. I think the Chiefs. Um, I've just seen it too often, like uh, until proven otherwise. So I, I've seen them have these openers um, where <laughs> jo- Seth, do you remember? Remember how we looked around the world and was like, 
why did it? Why does everybody think the Jacksonville Jaguars with Nick Foles is going to like <laughs> beat the Chiefs on opening day? And like, and I'm being, and, and I know you just kept saying the word regression to me, like it was like it was the cursed word of the of the offseason, which it was because Mahomes disproved that in like five seconds. But right, I think the Chiefs probably win. They go eleven and zero with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes in September. The storyline that I'm looking for, and if you don't think Eric Bieniemy, Mike Kafka, Patrick Mahomes, and Andy Reid are not scheming things up for McCole Hartman, you have been f- mistaken. Mm. If there's going to be a breakout season, get it going now. Um, I'm going to hold it dear to me because, uh, you know, I have to assume, I have to believe that the things I saw in June and early July and even into training camp I have to believe they will translate at some point onto the field. So I think um, McCole Hartman gets talked about in a positive manner. Uh, I'm not going to give you sort of stats or touchdowns, but I do think the Chiefs win and McCole Hartman sort of suggests that, hey, maybe the Chiefs do have a third receiver that they can rely on that will get better, that may have a breakout season, um, and you can sort of trace it back to, to week one. Seth, what are you? I've decided to open this season ragingly optimistic. I'm going to say Chiefs 48. Yep. <laughs> Browns 31 with that last touchdown being largely academic. Um that'll be <laughs> that'll be that to one touchdown that drives me insane all week people are like, "Well, I don't know, I think the defense might be a problem this year." He gave up 31 points and be like, "Well, yeah, but we were midway through the fourth and they'd given up, you know, 20 or something like that." And so that that here's my thought on this, the Andy Reid in week 1 factor, the Patrick Mahomes in week 1 factor, the fact that they are low key, maybe not even so low key, not happy with the Super Bowl and how things ended mm. and mm. the narratives and all that. And this is an opportunity. I Oh, by the way, if there's an over-under for Patrick Mahomes overthrows on the first drive or two, take <laughs> the over because he's going to be juiced. And unless it's like this 80-yard deep ball to Hill, he's going to overthrow someone. It's just going to happen. But I think the offense has a really legitimate shot at doing things it couldn't do last year. And you know, I'm not here to talk about you know the efficacy of the pass game versus the run game. We all know what the numbers are on that. But I just think they're much more varied with the offensive line group they have right now in terms of what they can do. And I think this is going to be a first game to kind of try to terrify the NFL with that and really try to, you know, normally we talk about Andy Reid tries to show as little as possible. Mm-hmm. I think in week one this year, I think it would be amazing to try to show as much as possible in terms of not, you know, every play you have, but every variety, right? It's like we are going to do every, we're going to do an inside zone, outside zone. We're going to run traps. We're going to run, we're going to run regular power. We're going to run dual. We're going to run gap. We're going to like just, just get insane with the run game, with the screens, with the horizontal stuff, with the deep shots and suddenly say we are no longer held back by any particular facet, which was not true last year. I think they've got a shot to do that. I think they send a message. There will be bumps in the road this year for the Chiefs, but I think week one, they're going to scare some people. I think that'd be fun also, and I also just cannot remember the, I mean, I guess maybe it was week one last year on some level of like Andy Reid just keeping the foot on the gas, but I don't, 
uh, even then that was a last year week one was very strange because it was the Texans and we were learning things, some things about the Texans and also the Chiefs offense at that point. Um, I, I have written down 31 24. It's the same margin as Nate, except for I've got, I guess, two missed field goals in there. Um, <laughs> just just because I think I think it's sort of an arm's length game from the Chiefs offense where they do have that distance, but it ultimately ends up looking close ish. And here's a name we haven't talked about very much because he's generationally great. But I, I'm kind of feeling a Travis Kelsey, a, a, like enormous, enormous, oh. like a like a 10 for 120 kind of game. If I had to get a little bit bold with it, because we've talked so much about who's going to get those passes that Sammy Watkins isn't getting. Travis Kelsey is always open, is he always is. there for the mid range stuff. And so if I'm Patrick Mahomes and my choices are Travis Kelsey or Byron Pringle, I'm just going to keep going to Travis Kelsey until they stop it. And uh, they're not going to because no one does. But I'm, I'm kind of feeling I'm feeling some uh, some Travis Kelsey spice on this game. Um, um, can we can we just acknowledge the the Browns rookie linebacker? What's his name again? It's JOK. His initials it are JOK. Doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter. Um he he said he was he said he's ready for the Travis Kelsey matchup and I mean we we going to see. We going to see, sir. I will I will pronounce his name accurately if he is able to cover Travis Kelsey. That's not fair. It's Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. Yes. I think who, I learned who, that. I did, who by the way, during the draft. Liked his tape in college? Very absolutely yeah. very athletic. I mean, I've only seen Derwin James cover Travis Kelsey effectively in in the prime yeah. of Travis Kelsey's career. So hey, yeah. you know, stranger things can happen in week one. I just want to acknowledge Jeremiah's un yeah un good for him unquestionable assignment. If that if that if that holds the true, hookstapa. If, hookstapa. yeah, if that if that holds true, Jeremiah, if you are on Travis Kelsey more than Denzel Ward, then I got questions about your defensive coordinator, sir. and good luck to joe woods in that front uh first year as the browns defensive coordinator he's been a a dc in the league again i don't uh, want to acknowledge josh i don't want to acknowledge these men i don't want to acknowledge any of these guys on opening day don't not until the don't retain not until the fourth first quarter where they show his face and he's already like i mean we're down 10 and ah." (laughs) (laughs) i did not I did not see them opening up with ten straight runs right down yeah. the field. They they gotta pass sometime, right, guys? And Andy's on the other side giggling. I mean, I'm excited. If we see Andy Reid giggle in the first quarter, I might let you tase me twice. I won't. Nope. I take no, it back. Josh, I'm not going it. to. I'm like, nope. I took it back. That was a joke. That one was a joke. I've said I'm no more taser bets until the first one is settled, which is could still be a minute we'll I, I i haven't picked it up from my sister's house yet and i don't know the time it's looking crunch. like it's looking like it's it, i think it's not gonna happen this week which is also again i know i know is shameful of us but i you know blame the pandemic these are unprecedented times these are unprecedented <laughs> times good lord i cannot believe you blame that on covid <laughs> Listen, Seth, you don't know this because you had to take a, a 45-minute detour to go to the ER for your hangnail. So uh, we're actually over the hour mark on this show. So so Nate and I need to wrap. If you want to do more on your own, you can. Uh, but otherwise, I would suggest read the new pieces from both Nate and Seth up on The Athletic right now. Nate, I'm sure, is going to have something else up before the game as well, plus post-game coverage, all that on The Athletic. Uh, you can also, of course, read Seth at mnchiefsfan.substack.com. I'm sure there'll be stuff there just all the time because there always is. And you can follow all of us on Twitter at ByNateTaylor, at RealMNChiefsFan, at JB Briscoe. That's it. There's a game that you will be able to watch before our next episode. Enjoy that. Nate, take us into week one. Cook all the barbecue, y'all. Have a well of a time. Just cook all of it. Um, Yeah, I just, I'm glad we're back. 
uh, eat some barbecue if you can. And, you know, hopefully everyone is loud and controls themselves accordingly on kickoff. But um, we made it, y'all. We really made it. Uh, it's, a, it's a full steak now. It's a full steak. There's no more these little slices. It's the real deal. <laughs> the, it's on the plate. And they're bringing it out from the they're bringing it out from the kitchen. The 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 cook is going to tip his hat to you. I mean like it's <laughs> NFL football and it tastes delicious, y'all. We're almost here. <laughs>